Your home is one of the biggest investments that you'll ever make. So it pays to be diligent about caring for it. I've said this pretty much my whole real estate career, but prevention is the best medicine. Some homeowners decide to do it themselves to save that extra buck. But I'm going to say that if you can hire that professional, do it. Welcome to the Urban Connect podcast. I'm Jennifer Archambo, and I'm the broker owner of Urban Provision Realtors. And I'm thrilled to have you tuning in today. If you're here, chances are your prospective buyer, seller, or a homeowner searching for clarity on the ever-changing real estate landscape here in Texas, then you've come to the right place. In each episode, we'll discuss a myriad of topics providing you with the knowledge and tools to navigate the complex realm of real estate, from insider tips on how to prepare your home for a successful sale, to insights on the latest market trends, and everything in between. I've got you covered. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take your real estate knowledge to the next level with the Urban Connect podcast. In this episode, I'll explore some of the most common pitfalls that homeowners often encounter during their homeownership journey. These challenges encompass a wide range of aspects, including the home improvement projects, the execution or neglect of routine maintenance tasks, financial missteps that tend to surface long after becoming a homeowner, and various other common errors that I've witnessed through my real estate career. It's important to note that these issues aren't limited to new homeowners. Even those with extensive experience in homeownership can find themselves facing these challenges. So today, I'm here without a guest. It's just me. And for those who may not be familiar with me personally and haven't had an opportunity to meet me or be unaware of the expertise I bring to this conversation, I come from a background in banking investment and mortgage industries, where I spent a decade honing my skills. I currently hold the position of broker owner, as you heard before, um, of Urban Provision Realtors, where I play a crucial role in mentoring and overseeing agents, not across the state, but more notably in Austin, Houston, and Dallas. My journey in real estate began in 2007 when I started as a realtor. And in 2012, I achieved the status of broker when I founded Urban Provision Realtors. Since then, I've taken another role as a real estate instructor, educating both my fellow agents and peers across the state. Now that you've had a chance to get to know me a little bit more, let's dive into this conversation. So this conversation is a conversation that I'm asked a lot about, and it's the conversation that I have with clients when they're not buying and they're not selling. We're talking about issues that arise maintenance that you need to be doing, how to avoid, you know, cause a mistake. So I think we'll start with improvements. And I've I've narrowed it down to improvements and maintenance and then monetary. Um, I think those are some of the three big ones. And then I have a few others at the tail end. So improvements. So, you know, we all learned that, you know, paint can transform your home without having to spend a lot of money. But for the most part, that's true. It's a really good idea to think carefully before like cracking open a can of paint and just start painting everything. You know, you need to think through some of these questions like how long do you intend to live there? And are you really using a high quality paint that you're not going to have to, you know, do two or three coats of paint to cover um, the walls that you're, you're painting? 
And, you know, are the colors that you're using so neutral enough that when it comes time to sell, whether that be a few years down the line or, you know, several years down the line, do I have to completely repaint every wall in my house? And the last thing to consider is, is this a DIY project or am I hiring a professional? So the things that you want to think about are cost involved when, when it comes to paint. But there's a lot of mistakes that happen here. And some of the mistakes I see is a lot of homeowners decide to do a lot of these maintenance related items right before they list the house. And they think, oh, gosh, I'm never going to enjoy these items. So I'm just going to try to do them for pennies on the dollar. So when that happens, you don't get the high quality paint. You, you know, pick a color. Hopefully it's neutral enough. Some homeowners decide to do it themselves to, to save that extra buck. But I'm going to say that if you can hire that professional, you know, do it. So spending too much money on, re- on renovations or, or um, a remodel is, I think, one of the biggest missteps that homeowners make because they don't understand how the value is determined. And that's going to be a future episode that I have um, coming up that you'll want to pay attention to. But it's very easy to spend so much more money than you need to or should should do on re- renovations. The more money that you spend on renovating or um, repairing your home is less likely for you to recoup that am- amount if you needed to sell today or tomorrow. You're not going to get back dollar for dollar. And we'll discuss this in detail with the appraiser who's going to be in a few weeks, but the amount you're going to recoup is just going to depend on what items being renovated or, or remodeled and the desirability for that particular item. But most importantly, it's going to depend on where your home is, what price range your home is in. I mean, if it's a lower price point home, you're probably not going to get that much back. If it's a bigger price point home, you might get more back. There's a lot of ifs when it comes to how much money will I get back on this renovation. And like I said, we'll do a deeper dive in a future episode when I, you know, converse with a local appraiser. appraiser. But for example, um, just to give you an example so you can understand, if we're talking about flooring, so if I were to install a high-end, like a variable width, like real wood plank, it's going to cost me a little bit more. But if I chose a middle-of-the-road luxury vinyl that's going to still perform, right? So it does the wood versus vinyl plank. Yes, they're two different um, types of materials, but they're still going to be a flooring so neither one of them is going to give a specific line item of value on appraisal. So when you're looking for how much am I going to recoup? The answer is, <laughs> we don't know. What it's going to do is it's going to put you in a category of, I have an updated or renovated home. And then it's depending on what you've done and what it looks like in the end, is it going to improve the desirability for my home? So then that's, What's going to end up doing the end result is the um, value. All appraisers use a value range. They come up with a number, but they they have a range that that number falls into. And you know, does your house more desirable? And you've done really great repairs. You're going to be on the higher of the range. If you've put in really low quality materials and you are trying to get the biggest bang for your buck, you're not going to get on the higher of the range. So. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't move forward with your renovation. You know, renovate when you feel like you need to renovate. But 
I always encourage my clients to find ways to complete their project on the tightest budget possible. Shop sales, buy floor models, hit discount warehouses, do your homework, do your research and figure out, yes, you love the the real hard wood, but is there an alternative that looks just the same and is going to wear, you know, just the same or look just the same that you can spend less dollars on? I'm putting these in order and I'm putting these in order because I think that some of the most important mistakes happen um, with the ones, some ones at the top, but um, eliminating square footage. And I see this, um, I see this in two different capacities. The first capacity is you're tearing down a wall in your home, right? So you, let's say you have a very small, you know, primary bedroom or bathroom and you're like, oh God, I want this dreamy bathroom. I want some, you know, you see on TV or whatever. But if it means sacrificing another bedroom or bathroom to make it work, tread carefully. And the reason why I say that is because you're taking away usable square footage. Yes, the square footage is still under the roof, but you may, you may be taking a, a bedroom count out or a, a bathroom count out, which would significantly change the value on the back end. So if you ever plan to sell your home, the more bedrooms and bathrooms that you put in your listing, the better. But more importantly, like if you eliminate one of those, you know, bedroom bathroom counts and you have less square footage, usable square footage, or you, you've eliminated the similarity. So now you're, you're different. You're a unicorn in the neighborhood between other homes that, you know, you're comparing to, when you go to eventually sell, you're likely going to hinder your final sales price because you've made that tweak to your property. So just think long and hard. Um, Get your local realtor, whoever it is, your friend, the one that you trust, the one that you pretty much would use whenever you, when you decide to sell, the one that you think you're going to list with, get their advice before you make the big change to your house. So I've seen a situation where a homeowner cut a wall out of a bedroom to make a loft. And at that point, they couldn't count as a bedroom. And then it lowered resale value. And so those are things that you think, oh, I can do this now. And then what is the expense to put it back later? And will you put it back later? That's not the biggest issue in this category. The biggest issue in this category is if you choose to enclose a garage when I say enclose a, enclose a garage, don't use it as a as its intended purpose, a garage with like bay doors that open. You can put your car in. You actually take the bay doors off. You sheetrock it in or brick it in while you occupy the home. Whenever you do that, you should consider several different things before you do that. Um, a garage space is not usable square footage, but... The garage is considered cost when we're trying to determine value. So if you are going to convert it back before you sell and move, there's no issue, right? But if you decide to leave it, you know, there is going to be value eliminated from your property because you don't have the garage spaces that you once had. So keep that in mind. I think the last thing here is... If you decide, I've seen this, I've seen this countless times and this is, um, it's baffling, but if you decide to convert a garage and you're not intending to convert it back, it's now AC square footage into your house. 
it's continual AC. You don't leave one AC area to go to a new AC area. That's why a garage isn't considered AC space because it's you're leaving one air conditioned space and leaving, and it's, your garage generally isn't air conditioned. But if you convert it and you open a door or you have ducts going into your garage and you have no intention of com- uh, converting it back, please pull a permit with the city that your home is located in. What I've seen countless times is the square footage that is HVAC or air conditioned is what your home is determined on for taxing for your tax bill, for your property tax bill. And I've seen times when a property gets sold, um, it has an enclosed garage or converted garage, and later the new owner is on the hook for retro taxes because the taxing authority wants their money. And so you didn't make the conversion, the previous owner did it. So if you're doing a conversion, just have it permitted. It makes it easier. You're going paying taxes on the amount of the space that you have a seed. Or if you're buying a property, make sure that you're buying a property that has um, a garage a conversion that's been permitted. Making changes way, way, way too soon. You know, I, I always tell my clients, if you have a death, you know, let's say a spouse passed away or if a parent passed away, you should probably take six months to a year to navigate the probate and settle some things before you try to sell real estate. And I think making major changes to a house after you become a homeowner is another mistake that I think homeowners make. Owning a home is really exciting and it's only natural that you're going to want to make it your own with those renovations and the remodel. But I know that any honorable contractor that you would work with is going to advise you to wait probably a year before taking on those projects. And they're going to ask you that for this reason. I mean, they should because you're going to be really um, acclimated and acquainted with like the perks and the quirks of your house. And after a year later, some of those changes you want to make up up front, you're not going to want to make then. There's going to be new changes and tweaks you're going to make to your house. So take some time to vision colors and remodels and renovations and think on it for a while. And if you have someone that's, you know, wanting to take your money and run with it um, and do your renovations, I mean, your renovations may have been thought through in your head for an eternity and I get it, but um, I've seen so many mistakes in this situation. Property line projects are an area that some of these mistakes you don't find out until years later. You know, let's say you buy a property and you're like, oh, I I didn't like my neighbor when I, that neighbor over there next door to me to the left. When I bought the property or he's, you know, he's annoying or he does car repair and I don't want to see him, but maybe you want to do some planting between the property lines. Or maybe you want to build something between the property lines. You need to first establish where that property line lies. And sometimes the illusion of where it lies, a grass line, because he always mows or you mow, isn't technically the the line. Probably should get out your survey from when you bought your property. If you don't have one, go ahead and have um, a, a surveyor come out and determine the actual lines. You can just pick up the phone and call the city 
It'll take about a week. A city surveyor will come identify the pens for your actual property lines. And once you know, then I always think it's not a bit, I, bad idea to discuss your plan with your neighbors. You know, maybe they can, you know, maybe they'll be kind to you or your, your new, um, your project at, at that time. But I would not assume that you know your, where your property line is or isn't unless you, you matter of factly know it because those property lines, if you've put your new trees or plants on that person's property line, they can rip them up in a heartbeat. And, you know, it's just money you've wasted. And, you know, impulsive landscaping, I mean, landscaping is hard now because we, we've, and especially in Texas, we've gotten into these, you know, rainy seasons and then drought seasons, and we don't know what we're going to get next year. So, you know, it can be tempting to run out and buy some trees and shrubs and make your hard your yard look really amazing and win yard of the year. But it's vegetation, it's a commitment, right? So it might be smarter to find some vegetation that, you know, you know is going to be drought tolerant. It's going to, you know, thrive in our environment. Um, maybe not need a lot of water, right? We're, we're, we have water scarcity issues. We're always constantly being told not to water, but one day a week. You know, make a, um, a design and or hire a professional to help you to figure out and sketch it out. Um, but I see a lot of neighbors in my own neighborhood who plant something and then a year later they're planting something else and planting something else. And that's just wasteful spending for one. Um, they're, I mean, owning a home is expensive and maintaining it's expensive. So landscaping can be a big big mistake, um, especially if you don't know, you know, where your sun sets and, and, you know, rises and stuff like that. And, you know, how much water you really get and runoff. And so there's lots of little things to consider with landscaping. So I think we've covered a lot of the home improvement or renovation type mistakes. The next mistake category is maintenance. I think that this is where probably besides doing a full on renovation and spending way too money and then trying to sell your house for more because you're trying to get money back out of it. I think maintenance as a whole can be where you, you or, or a homeowner makes way too much, um, too many mistakes along the way. So the first would be turning a blind eye to small issues. And when I say small issues, like, you know, there's always a, some little small project that needs to be, you know, taken care of, like the um, towel rack is starting to fall out or, you know, the caulking needs to be um, taken care of around the windows or um, some paint around the garage door because it's too hot and it's starting to pull away. And there's little items. But as a homeowner, you know, remember you're responsible for the upkeep, right? Especially if you live in a property that has a... um an HOA. And then whether you tackle these repairs with by yourself or a handyman be, I mean, I would encourage you to make, take the smallest action on the smallest issue because those small items can come become bigger problems later. As a general rule of thumb, the smallest issue is generally the least likely cost to you overall. But I've seen so many small issues fester and become such big issues. And that's why I put it first, because they think small and, oh, it's just going to be a small repair and it's not. 
Failure to address water damage. Water damage is big. Water damage could be expensive. Um, if you see evidence of water penetration, you know, do not wait, investigate it. Have someone come take a look at it. Make sure whoever's um, looking at it, whether it be a plumber or a handy guy, has a thermal reader to look past walls. Because if you don't see if something's dry today, doesn't mean it's wet tomorrow. For example, I had a client who bought a house who had um, had been a rental for a large amount of time. It was like a very, very, very long time. It was like 12 years. And when he bought the property, we saw evidence of water penetration in the garage, but it was dry. So you don't think about it. You think, oh, it just probably happened, you know, a couple of years ago. And they just didn't do anything with it. It's fine today. But the problem was, was the water was off. And when the water got turned back on, there was just a very, 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 very slow leak that was going down a wire and became a bigger issue. So investigate it, try to figure out what's going on. But that thermal, a thermal gun's going to be a life-saving to see if there's any water issues that you can't see with the naked eye. So waiting, of course, like I said, can lead to some major headaches down the road and, you know, and and a lot of unnecessary dollars spent. I mean, you don't want to spend money, more money than you have to fix and repair. You want to get it what goes early on. So, you know, wet spaces are probably the biggest issues I find on um, inspections when it comes to um, water. So kitchens, bathrooms, laundry rooms. Make sure they're dry. And we'll talk about that later. Water damage. It can be mold within days or sometimes even hours without. There are times where your insurance policy won't even cover the mold issue. So that's, you're on the hook for that. So um, that's why I say it can be a major mistake and major issue just to avoid it. So tackling projects that is basically DIY when it's fit for a professional. There's a larger amount of people who say, I bought a home, I'm going to be, you know, Tim, the tool man, and I'm going to get out there and do my project. And that's great, right? But some projects are intended for a professional and you need to know what those are. So, you know, it's, it could be right of passage, like I said, I'm going to do it or, or I'm going to try to save money, right? And they do something wrong and they actually spend more money in the grand scheme of things. So what I think better better repairs, left or pros, are anything that has anything to do with code changes. And that generally is electrical and plumbing work um, because there's so many code changes from the time the house was built to the time is now. You don't have to um, come up to code, but if you're making a change Later, then you, you're going to sell it. It's going to be identified as not being done properly. It's just going to add to your inspection dollars that you give away later when you're going to sell it. So go ahead and get it repaired right now because it will turn into dollars later. And I think that's um, awful when that happens. And I see when clients um, are trying to, at the very end, trying to squeeze out any, uh, every you know shred of p- penny that they can get out of their um, sales price, and then they have to give away thousands of dollars for, you know, DIY projects that they've done or repairs that they've done. A lot of people forget their home's exterior. Um, it's really easy to focus on the interior because that's where you live. You spend most of your time. But 
if you know you're neglecting the outside of your home, you could be doing yourself a disservice, especially if you plan a style. I mean, wood is really expensive. I mean, it surged during the pandemic, but paint's cheap. Wood is expensive. And the wood that goes on the outside of your house is really expensive because it has to be treated properly to wear and tear, um, to be able to live the wear and tear that rain and, you know, moisture on the outside of your house. So, of course, everything's going to break down on the outside faster because of weather conditions, right? So, you know, you're going to have to caulk more outside. You're going to have to paint more outside. You can paint your house inside less often because it's inside, it's protected, outside not so much. If you're not spending time maintaining things like gutters or your lawn, like it's it's going to get caught later and you're going to spend those dollars later. I've seen so many times when we've been through um, inspections and the gutters are just full of debris. Well, we, there's been times where, you know, the seller didn't want to clean them. The buyer decided to opt not to have them cleaned. But when the homeowner had them clean, they realized they had issues with drainage after that. So then it becomes an issue and a problem that had flooding. So those are just an example. So I always say your home's exterior is the first impression of your house. General is the first picture when you go to sell it. When people drive up, that's what they see. So um, have someone maintain it on a regular basis. A lot of people miss their appliances for maintenance. Now, when I say appliances, I'm going to break it down into two layers. The first layer I'm going to break it down to is just your everyday appliances, your refrigerator, your dishwasher, your disposal, your your oven, things like that. One thing that people don't think is an appliance is the exhaust vent, the dryer exhaust vent, not the one that like you pull out and you pull the lint that comes from your clothes, but the one that is behind your dryer going either up through your roof or outside your house. If you have routine maintenance on your appliances, when something happens, they're going to prolong, they're going to work more effectively, they're going to cost you less money. But maintenance, like the dryer vent, can prevent serious risks, like a fire hazard. There have been a couple homes in Southwest Austin recently who were almost 30 years old and had, had did not have their dryer vent cleaned in a very, very long time. And as a result, their home caught on fire. So too much lint buildup is a big issue and a big common mistake, especially with fires. In Austin, I, I'm sure this happens in every city, but there's a group of firemen that on their days off, they go and clean dryer vents. Of course, there's services that do that as well. But figure out someone that can clean your dryer vent, I would say every three to five years um, to make sure that you don't have that fire hazard. You know, especially some of these um, refrigerators, the they're expensive. Their components are expensive. Um, their boards are expensive. So, I mean, this is something that, you know, when I was doing some of this, um, when I was looking into some of this, I um, had a client recently says, I clean my refrigerator coils once a year. I was like, I don't think I've ever <laughs> cleaned my refrigerator coils. So again, a, a, a recommendation from a client, clean your refrigerator coils. Uh, clear out your refrigerator's food filter regularly. Did you know it had a food filter? Run some 
cleaner through it, just like you run the cleaner through your your um, dish for your clothes washer. If you have a window air conditioner or before you start using them, uh, suck out the, the debris. You know, test the smoke and carbon monoxide detectors twice a year and, and change the batteries because you know that battery is going to go out at 2 a.m. when you're sleeping and you don't know which one it is at that point. I mean, that's the way it always happens. So I always say January 1, July 1, change your batteries. Batteries and the grand scheme of things are cheap. In my opinion, my my sleep's more important than those that battery costs. So I change my batteries twice a year. Um, but also you could then, um, if they're not working, then you may not get alerted that there's um, a smoke or a carbon monoxide issue. So we always talk about our major systems, not our minor systems. So that's when I wanted to bring up those. But neglecting our major systems, they're like our HVAC, our water heater, and if you have a um, a water uh, softener, stuff like that, you need to maintain those items. So it is very common that heating and ventilation systems in Texas fail in the summer. It gets way hot, and those that do not maintain them or, or, or you know maintain them improperly, they have issues as soon as it hits 100 degrees. So your system is going to need attention. Throughout the year, so when we had 100 days of 100 degrees, you're not posting on Facebook, who has a HVAC company that can come yesterday because my AC died. Having your furnace heat pump or just the AC serviced before you start using them, ideally that would be March and October every year. Just have a service contract. They come out. Do a once over in the unit, let you know if anything's about to die so you don't have those issues. They perform better when they're service. Change the filters for those units at appropriate intervals. Now, every unit's going to have a different interval. Some are six months time, some are one month time, some are 90 days time. But I would suggest if you have pets or allergies or if it's dusty outside, like we haven't had a rain a lot of um, a lot of rain this year, they probably need to be cleaned more often because um, we're tracking in a lot of dust. So this should sound obvious, but the first thing you do when you buy a home, you become a homeowner, is you should move in and change your air filters right away. And the reason why is because you don't know when they were changed last. You can assume when they were, but you never know. So when you do that, mark a date in your calendar and change every 30, 60, 90 days move forward or six months, depending on the, the unit that you have in your house, what, what the recommendation is. When you do things like that, it keeps your system in check on performing and extends the life of it. So those are my maintenance related. I'm sure we have some others, but those are the ones that I see the most from clients. Now, the next ones are monetary. And I put these in as mistakes because I hate to see people lose money after they become a homeowner. I mean, you've you've worked so hard to put a lot of money down to buy a house, pay closing costs, and then you have to maintain a home, which costs money, right? So we're just talking about a lot of issues that cost money to maintain, right? So you want to now make sure that before you even become a homeowner, you haven't bought a house 
more than you can afford. Now, I'm going to explain that here in a little bit because we're thinking about why. Why would my lender allow me to buy a house more than I could afford? Human beings are aspirational creatures. So when a lender pre-approves you for an amount you can spend on the house, you may be tempted to go within that range or even at the top of that range. But that may not be your comfort level. And when I say comfort level, because yes, you have a mortgage payment, but then you have all these other unforeseen issues or or maintenance issues you have to do on top of your mortgage payment, right? So when I say someone that's bought a ha- more of a house than they can't afford, because they can't afford to maintain the house they just bought. See that all the time. It also happens where the agent starts to show you homes that are higher priced because they're, you're not finding anything in the price that you, you wanted to be in. This happens too, where everybody's subconsciously trying to keep up with the Joneses on the street, right? And so I always say, you don't live next door. Don't try to keep up with them. You don't know their circumstances. So I always, always, always tell a client to take back and accept the fact that it's unwise to buy a house that's on the uh, the very high of the range. Wait for the house to fall into a range you're comfortable in because you we just talked about a lot of maintenance issues and how those maintenance issues can become monetary issues. And I bring this up because, you know, some homeowners are older or have unexpected healthcare costs that come into play. Some homeowners are buying, just bought, and they're either single or newly married and want to have kids. And that, you know, of course, as if you're a parent listening to this, you know how much having a kid changes the landscape and the cost. Um, so again, make sure that when you're buying a home, you're buying it in the range you feel comfortable to having a nest egg. That way you can not borrow money later to perform the general maintenance. So again, failing to budget for home maintenance. So you're going to encounter an unexpected issue. There's there's routine maintenance. There's routine things you saw when you bought your house that you wanted to do, but there's going to be an unexpected issue that's going to require maintenance. And you're going to try to have to figure out how to budget an emergency. Emergency costs are expensive. So you don't want to do that. Inadequate insurance. If you if you have a relationship with your insurance provider, an insurance agent that you use on a routine basis, they should have helped you cover yourself. But your home is one of the biggest investments that you'll ever make. So it pays to be diligent about caring for it. And I've said this pretty much my whole real estate career, but prevention is the best medicine. And that... um you know, old the old saying is really true. Um, it's just as your your home health, like if your your health declines, it costs more money. Same with your home health declines, it's costs you more money. So you don't you don't want your house to get sick and need additional maintenance. So check with your insurance often, agent often to make sure that you don't have um, any type of. Um, lack of coverage um, or is there any additional coverage binders that you can add in that will give you coverage and that will cover any loss that you can think of having mold wind flood I mean there's there's a laundry list of of things that you could have come up that 
uh, on insurance with a house that you want to make sure you're covered for. I mean, unfortunately, insurance costs have gone up. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think a lot of um, homeowners are now just struggling to keep um, insurance costs down. So they're probably foregoing, you know, a really good insurance solid policy that covers appropriately. But pay attention to your energy uses as well. As you know, I mean, I don't have to say this, but owning a home means you pay utility bills. And those utility bills can get kind of out of control. So pay attention to how much your home is using. I mean, there's energy meters for every appliance. You can plug it in and see how much your refrigerator is using, your, you know, any appliance you use is your computer is using, right? Once once some of these um, appliances start to get old, they get inefficient and it's co- more costly to maintain them. So maybe time to replace them. You may spend less dollars to replace than to maintain, right? So, but you'll be surprised on how some of the small changes that you can make with your utilities will affect your your bill. And I bring this up because these small things like not controlling your utility cost impacts what you have available for those unexpected costs. And it prevents you from doing things that you want to do with your house, not need to do with your house. So here's some tricks and tips that you can do to to lower those energy costs. And one is to lower your water heater's thermostat to 120 degrees. Now, some people don't like that, that the the shower doesn't get as hot or dishes the uh, the water for the sink and the and the um, kitchen doesn't get as hot. But that's one way if you're not heating as high. Switch out all your light bulbs to energy-efficient LEDs. They last longer. They don't need as much juice to perform. And move your refrigerator from your oven. So if you're thinking about a remodel, make sure your refrigerator is far enough away from your oven so your oven's not heating up your refrigerator and making it perform more to get to a certain temperature. This is something that happens in Austin. And it can you. there's companies out there that do this across the state, not just Austin, but Austin several years ago came out with this um, energy audit mandate and it was an ordinance and it was anytime you were selling your house, you needed to have this energy audit done. And it was specifically for the city of Austin, Austin Energy Utilities. Um, If you didn't have any improvements totaling a certain dollar amount, you needed to have this audit done. Initially, it was going to be where the city wins. You'd have um, these items that were deemed efficient uh, retrofitted. But of course, the Realtor Association, both state and local, got involved and said, no, 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 we can't do that. Because what happens is when mandates like that happen, people can't afford things. And um, there's a lot of people who can't afford um, to do these updates. Um, They need to happen, but they can't afford them. It would put a lot of homeowners at not selling their houses. So. Long story short, anybody can get a home audit. Um, they come out and they they button up your home. They learn um, what's going on with your windows, your doors, your attic, you know, everything, you know, in the fold of your house. So um, they'll display signs of weaknesses and tell you where you need to do maintenance, right? So these items, if, you know, caulking, any kind of weather stripping, um, new windows, uh, new insulation, stuff like that. Uh, radiant barrier in your attic on your attic roof on the inside on the 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 decking underneath your sh- um, shingles. So 
Stuff like that um, helps reduce costs that frees up money that you don't have a necessary cost there. And then we get to um, other items. And these are items that I, you know, didn't really have a category, but I thought that they were really important. And the first one is probably the most important. I think this is the most important mistake that happens when someone buys a house. They don't know where their main water shutoff to their house is or how to turn it off, or they don't have a tool to turn it off. So picture this, you're, you wake up in the middle of the night and then you find a pipe busted and water's draining from the second story to the first story. That sucks. It does. And it takes you about five minutes to locate the water you know, main valve, but then it takes about a couple more minutes for you to turn it off. So if that's five, six, seven, eight minutes of water flowing through your house. You don't want water through your house any time. So you need to make sure you know how to, where it's at, how to turn it off. And it's a good idea to, to, most inspectors are showing you when you move in, but they're not making sure you know how to turn it on and turn it off. So make sure you move in, learn how it works, knowing how you, to turn it off. Make sure you have the proper tool. You can go to Lowe's or Home Depot and get that tool and learn how to shut off the power and the glass lines while you're at it. Because what if you have a fire? You need to turn that stuff off. There's so many mistakes that happen in this category because a homeowner goes away on vacation or starts a load of laundry when they leave or starts a load of um, a dryer load or just, I've even had in my house where I started a dishwasher load and came home to a floor full of water, right? Anything is possible. So another tip for me is if you're going to be on extended vacation and you don't need anyone in your house using any water, to your house, not your outside, but, and you want to prevent flooding, just turn off the water to your house while you're gone. That will prevent any issues from happening. Now, this one has become more common because um, winter, failure to, to winterize the property. And the reason why is because Texas is getting colder in the winter months. I mean, if you go back and look, um, two or less three years, we've had long-term freezes. We've had snow that set on the ground for, you know, a long week. We've had a freeze that lasted, you know, a couple days. Homeowners overlook our sprinkler systems in the Midwest and Northeast and um, colder climates. Uh, homeowners uh, winterize their sprinkler systems when cold months hit. They drain all the water from the water lines and cut it off. They ask your landscaper to help with this. The homeowners in the South generally don't do that because it just technically hasn't gotten that cold, but we're getting into a colder climate in our winter months. So it may be worth something doing this coming winter. When temperatures drop, pipes can freeze and break inside and outside of your house. They can do it in your foundation. I mean, it. You want to make sure you are maintaining your um, and protecting your pipes and dripping water when it's appropriate to drip water. So my tip for you is when you become a homeowner or if you're already a homeowner and you don't have any of what I'm about to tell you, go out and buy them. But go to your hardware store and buy the hose bib covers. They're um, insulated. They You put them over your... Um, water spigots on the outside when the trip temperature drops 
and then put them in the garage when you don't need them and then put them back on the next year. As soon as the water drips, you will never be able to find them at a hardware store. So buy them now, have them available. If you have any exterior pipes, maybe you were added after your home, like pool, or when you moved a water spigot, or you have a pond, or just something of that nature, that pipe is probably has some insulation around it. Usually it's black. I personally had a moved a, a water spigot around the corner because we enlarged a, um, a back patio and it had been moved, let's see, seven years prior. I did not take care of my maintenance on it. And two years ago, all of a sudden at 30, like 20 degrees outside, we had water coming out at the side of this pipe. And so we had to some someone come in the middle of the night to fix it because we don't, you know, we can't turn the water off to our house when we don't have power. It's just, it was a mess, right? So I would say every three to four years, if you have pipes on the outside of your house that are for like ponds or pools or whatever, replace them every three to four years with weather, with it hot, with a cold, they're going to break down. So you're going to need new insulation. Improper temperature control, I think, is the, the biggest demise of our HVACs in the South. And it is the hardest thing to help someone regulate. But I have seen walking into properties that people are looking to buy where this room has a vent closed, that room has it open, this one may be halfway open, right? That causes havoc on the furnace and it makes it work harder or the AC and could lead to damage. And replacing a um, a furnace can be $5,000 or more. So I suggest if it's too cold in one room, it's too hot in the other room, have an HVAC company come out and figure out why that's happening. You know, there's issues and I'm speaking high level here, but there's, there's a plenum that directs air, there's ducting, maybe something that needs to be changed, right? But don't close vents, open vents like that um, in different rooms. I see this all the time because they're like, oh, well, that room was too cold. So this is what I've been doing. Smart devices. Everything has a smart device today. Most of your appliances, your ovens, your dishwashers, your, um, your washers, your dryers, they're smart devices for everything. You can monitor your, your house with the smart device for almost anything you have. I mean, your home can be wired today in the age of technology. So there's tons and tons of new devices on the market. And even your appliance could have them in them. So we just bought a new dishwasher. It's smart. I can start it from not even in my home. It's great. It can let me know when things need to be changed and if it's running smoothly. But they can be a really big upgrade to the home, but it also can give you lots of peace of mind and constantly worrying if something's like, did I lock my doors? Did I turn off the stove? What if someone breaks in? Is there a leak and I'm not home? So those are some of the things that these are going to kind of just give you some peace of mind. And so here are some of my favorites. favorites. And of course, these are just the ones that I've gotten accustomed to, but August Smart Lock, it can lock and unlock your doors. It can create virtual keys for guests. And the reason why I put this in here, because I think this is 
should have been a monetary because you don't want to leave a key for anybody because someone could break in and steal stuff and then you're replacing stuff for your house, right? So you don't want your personal possessions um, unlocked. So smart lock. The Nest has a protect smoke and carbon monoxide detector, which sends alerts straight to your phone if you're away from the home. And I think that's great when you have small children at home or not. And you don't want to come into a home with carbon monoxide issue because you can't smell that. So um, again, it's protection, it's maintenance. Moen has a smart, um, it's called Moen Flow. It's a smart leak detector. It sends real-time information about usage and leaks. I think that's the be- one of the best. Ecobee has something on the planet. The Canary has a video system that allows you to check in your house in real time. For example, Liberty Mutual offers a discount on home insurance if you have one or more of these smart devices in your house. So check with your insurance agent to see if you, if you have any of these. Do they affect your insurance costs? One of the biggest mistakes that are made for homeowners is not seeking advice from from an experienced professional. And I'm not just talking real estate here. So we we live in a world where we have lots of information at our fingertips online. You can Google anything. You can get, you can watch a YouTube video, but you still should seek the professional advice from someone who's experienced in their profession. Realtor, electrician, plumber, roofer, handyman, right? Because like I mentioned earlier, codes change, trends change, materials change, right? Because just because you watch a YouTube video doesn't mean that you are an expert. Just like you're not going to YouTube, how do I treat myself for this disease or, or that illness, right? You're going to go to the doctor or you're going to go to the dentist. But when I was talking about realtors, realtors have a duty to educate about the process. And we have a duty to do so because we have a license. And a lot of these other professionals, plumbers and electricians have licenses and they're bonded, they carry insurance, right? So they're above reproach, right? They're going to come out and they're going to give you solid advice because if they don't, their license is in jeopardy, their insurance is in jeopardy if they get a, um, if they get sued or have a claim against them. So seek advice from someone who's done it before give solid advice is not there just to take your money. But plus professionals have access to inside information, trends and changes that the average customer won't have access to on just a every day. I mean, it's going to be really hard. I mean, guess we have AI now, but it's going to be hard to do a really deep by search online still while living your life and doing your job. And, you know, uh, you don't want to do that. But he's advice um, from this professionals to limit those mistakes, um, especially the ones that cost you a lot of money. So I've left this one for the for the very, very, very tell last. And I've left it because um, I think that this is why homeowners get in a pickle is they procrastinate. Uh, there will never be a convenient time to tackle a home maintenance or improvement project. It's just time is money, right? We don't have a lot of it, right? So there will always be something more urgent and fun to do. No one likes doing laundry. No one likes cleaning, changing their air filters. No one likes doing the oil in the car. We have to do those things, right? So come up with a schedule for every eight maintenance item you need. Put it in reminders. Treat it like a meeting request. 
don't double book yourself during that time and do the things that you need to do to make sure that you're maintaining your properly so it's not costing you money down the line. So how to be proactive. So this is kind of my last kind of takeaway. So walk around your property every um, six months or so inside and out. And so just put on your calendar and um, your phone or computer, doesn't matter. And to help you remember during that walk, make sure that you look at all the openings like doors, windows, attics, vents, inspect signs for decay or intrusion. Now, if you're not able to get some of these areas like inside your attic or on your roof, make sure you just have someone come out, ask them to come do a, just a visual inspection and a walkthrough or a walkover. Look at your electric and gas and water bills from the previous year and make sure that you're cross-referencing them with your current bills to see if there's some big issues. Now, I know in the Southwest Austin area, we had several months where either a meter didn't get red and one month and got red as you use more water in the second month or there was a leak. And then um, if there's a leak, I forgot to mention this one, turn your sprinklers off in November and turn them back on in March. And the reason you do that is because that's when the city tries to determine your wastewater usage for the next year. If you leave your water um, on or your sprinklers on from November-ish to through in the end of February, you could pay a higher water bill in the next year, right? And so I've had clients, their landscaper came out, didn't turn off their water um, to their uh, sprinkler system. Sprinkler system ran all winter long and when it came down for the new water bill to cycle through because wastewater gets determined every year, the water, the water usage is determined month to month by its own usage, but the wastewater um, is, they calculate it in that winter months and then that use get billed every month thereafter. She had, a, she went from $20 of having a wastewater bill to having over $200 on a monthly basis. Well, that really changes your financial picture when that happens. So things like that with um, water, electric, gas, or you can see mistakes happen. But be sure to check out your plumbing fixtures and under cabinets, like for slow leaks. That way, you know, if you need to have a plumber come out. But then check with your insurance provider, especially now since interest rates are out of control. And they're out of control because the cost to perform um, repairs has gone up. So it's not the insurance, the company going, now I want more money. It's just the inflation. Everything is higher than it was 24, 36 months ago. So you're going to see if there's a discount available, if, you know, if the best coverage. So that sums up my mistakes that homeowners make. There are a lot more that they make, but these are the highlighted ones. I feel like that these are the ones that are made the most often that I've seen, that I've witnessed, that I've heard someone talk about through my career. And I hope that you don't make any of these because it um, some of these are disastrous and cost a lot of money. So I'd like to definitely thank you and express my gratitude for all of our listeners, whether you're listening to us from the comfort of your home or on the go. I hope that today's episode of Urban Connect has been informative and valuable to you. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd be grateful if you would consider following or subscribing our podcast. Your support helps us reach a wider audience and grow the Urban Connect community. If you have any comments or questions about today's episode, feel free to contact me 
at jennifer at urban connect podcast or you can reach out to me at my real estate email which is jennifer at jennifer i value and appreciate your feedback and i'm always open to hearing your thoughts and suggestions until next time i'm jennifer archambo and i look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode of urban connect